God bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord tonight. How many is happy to be here tonight? Amen. Let's just invite the Lord to come through our worship, Lord. Jesus, come, Lord. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord. Closer, Lord, to you. Let the world, let the world around me fade away. Lift your hands to him. Oh, Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you. Closer, Lord, to you, for I desire, for I desire to worship and obey. Is that your desire tonight? Lift your hands to him and sing it now. Oh, Jesus, draw me
just in the presence of God and just draw me closer. Let this old world fade away. Amen. This world's got nothing good for you. Amen. It's just uh, God is good all the time. Amen. If you have a request upon your heart, this, um, Sister Melissa has no longer has a fever. But boy, this thing really wiped her out. You know, she said she wouldn't wish, wish it on her worst enemy. She's never been that sick. She did go teach today. She's weak. <laughs> anyway, we want to remember her. Remember your request upon your heart. I mean, we still have this. It's a flu bug. It's goes around. It's the devil roaming. Amen. We just believe God's a healer. I have a little testimony. A couple weeks ago, my my oldest daughter's husband has a sister. She has two little ones. One of them was two years old. His name was Cortland, and he had pneumonia. He was in the hospital. He couldn't breathe on his own. Um, I, I, I think I asked, only asked Brother Jason to pray, but we were praying for him, and like three days later, she texted me and said, they would probably let him go home tomorrow. They gave him a heavy dose of antibiotics and stuff, and um, so I'm thankful for that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, we know you're coming soon, Father. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity this evening to, to meet with you your children, Father, and to, to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Father, just wash away all the things of the world, all the things that would bother us today. May we just set everything aside and focus upon you this evening. Lord, we know that you've got something for us. And I pray that you bless the ministering of your word, Father. Bless that gift. Bless our, the hearers. Let us open our hearts to hear the word, Father. And as we collect the tithes and offerings, I pray that you bless the cheerful giver, Father. We love you and we worship you. Pray for those that are streaming. Pray for everyone that's not feeling well. Father, by your stripes we're healed, Lord. Your word hasn't diminished any. Father, it's still going on and still doing exactly what you said it would do. And we believe it and we accept it, claiming the promises and the benefits in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you greet one another as Brother Luther's coming around. Tell him God bless you. Amen. Tell him, appreciate you, brother, sister. God bless you. How many still rejoicing over the word we heard Sunday? How many? That's it? Come on. I seriously, every hand in the air. That was just, I mean, you know, I once, when I first come to the message, I sat under, sat under a ministry that was very intellectual. And when they taught about the Logos and they taught about the Rima, I, I didn't understand it, but now I do. So thank the Lord. Thanks for Brother Jason um, yielding himself because that was just so beautiful, saints. That was beautiful. Amen. <clears throat> How many's free tonight? Because if you're not, the great emancipators here. Can you say amen? You got the words for that? 
Once my heart and soul were fettered by the binding chains of sin, but the great emancipator, come on now. Where 
Hallelujah. Brother John, are you ready to sing for us, brother? Come on. Y'all can have your seats. Amen. Let's give Brother John a hand. House of the Lord. Good to be the house of the Lord tonight. Brother Kenny asked me to sing this, so y'all help me. of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, I've seen many searching for answers. Far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are You are perfect in all of your ways. 
Aren't you grateful that you are you are? Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, it's love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still, Lord, you call me. Deeper still into love. Love, love, you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. to know who you are tonight. Amen. Let's change the order of the service over now and invite the minister to come. <clears throat> Give me a key of D, sister. You have the words to the, uh, as the deer panteth. <clears throat> as the deer Panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to her. my heart. 
Jesus tonight. Amen. Happy to be in his house. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, we'll go straight to the word. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Brothers, I did send you some slides. If you just have that up and ready, that would be awesome. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to read a um, scripture from here and then another portion in Zechariah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Zechariah chapter 12. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Trust that you came with a hunger. Amen. Upon your heart just to receive from the Lord and hear from the Lord. Lord, just um, really weigh in my heart, burdening me heavy for this thought. I'm going to preach here. And so I just um, been looking forward to being able to come here tonight and just waiting to see what the Lord will do. Don't really have a really put together thought, just more things, uh, put together notes, but just things really upon my heart. And so I just want to be able to express them. I pray that you just trust that you'll pull on the word of the Lord. Amen. And believe that the Lord can speak to you. Amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's important because the Bible says you've got to mix the word with faith. And so uh, the Bible says, he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. So you first got to have faith to say, Lord, I believe you could speak to me. Amen. How many will raise a hand and say, Lord, I believe you can speak to me. Amen. Tonight. And I want to hear your voice. Amen. I wanted to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. Zechariah 12, but first we'll look at Ephesians chapter 4, and let's just begin reading here at verse 11. And he gave some apostles, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So how long will these gifts be in operation? Until then. That we henceforth, notice this, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, that's important, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from who the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. You notice that in both places in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, and then he goes on in verse 16 and says, where every joint's going to supply the entire body, everything's going to work. The Bible says the effectual working in the measure of every part, not just the preacher, not just the deacon, not just the pastor, but every part. So you see, in the body, there's a, there's a role for everybody to play. And the Bible says, making increase of the body unto the edifying, notice that, of itself in love, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who be in past filling. What an amazing place to get to, to where you're past filling. Did you know you can get to that place? We all can get to that place to where we're past filling. These are Gentiles. This is who he's speaking of. Don't walk as other Gentiles walk, right? Who being past filling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all in cleanness with greediness. Verse 20. But you, I love this verse, have not so learned Christ. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old, that you put off, let me read that again, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put in away lions, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Lord Jesus, Lord, I just bow my head, God, just now and surrender. Lord, I completely surrender my vessel, my thoughts, Lord, the things that you've burdened upon me. Lord, even today, Lord, as you begin to deal with my heart, Lord, in such a special way, Lord, I just asked you then, Lord, and I ask you again now, Lord, help me. Father, tonight, Lord, as I stand here, Lord, as an unworthy tool, Lord, uh, I can say here honestly, Lord, I'm the least amongst anybody to stand here and uh, to be able to speak, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help me right now, Lord. I pray that you would help me communicate, Father, what you've placed upon my heart in a way that would be effective, Lord, that would bring change, Lord. That's our true desire, Lord Jesus, that you would bring change from the inside and the innermost part of our being. Be with us now, Lord God, as we just surrender and yield to you as we feel, Lord, your and be sensitive to your spirit. I pray, God, you'd help every single person that's here, me, the speaker, them, the hearer. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I'm struggling on where to begin. I just have so many things the Lord has just uh, burdened me with, and I don't know uh, really even as I stand here right now, I don't have a real continuity or clear direction, uh, but I just believe I, I rest because I know that that's how the Lord intended this to be here tonight. And so I, you just pray for me as I just begin to just labor here and just pour my heart out as I just minister to you. I'm speaking here tonight and I've titled this A True Atonement. I want you to look at Zechariah chapter 12, if you could quickly. Um, Zechariah chapter 12, very familiar scripture. and We didn't read it. Let's look here just for a moment in, in Zechariah chapter 12. And let's just read a few verses here uh, from verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth, stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem." And in that day, notice this, you're going to see these words a lot in this, in the chapter 12 and chapter 14. And in that day, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, there it is again, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. Verse six, and in that day, I will make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood. Uh, verse eight, in that day, he says it again. Verse 11, and in that day. And so you see that the Lord here in, in, in Zechariah, and I'm just gonna speak here just for a moment. What an incredible time 
that we're living in. I mean, unbelievably uh, unprecedented, like nothing we've ever seen before. Really, what we see happening in our world today in the land of Israel and then beyond Israel, not even just the, the nation of Israel, what they're facing and what they're processing uh, there in their own nation is very, uh, it's incredible because it's such a contrast to what we here in the West see in our civilized modern world, where it looks like the entire world has turned their back against Israel. What an anointing. Listen, friends, this isn't just something that's just happened overnight. This is prophetic. What you're, I believe truly what we're seeing, I don't know that's the culmination of the, of World War III and, and, the, and the beginning of the, you know, the tribulation period and a rapture. Hey, I'm all for it. Sign me up. If this is what this is about, then praise God. I'm right here, right in line for it. I don't know if that's what this is, but we know that this is prophesied. We, we read about this in Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14, and it covers such a broad scope uh, of, 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 the, of, the, of, of the, just in those three chapters, it covers just a broad scope of prophecy. And we know that there's actual events. These aren't uh, generic things that you read about here. What I love about the Bible is that the Bible is very specific. These are things that are actually going to take place on a very real way. And it prophesies actual events uh, in the world. It talks about uh, how that there will be an entire confederacy, uh, an entire world army, a world nation, that something will come to unite the world against this little bitty tiny nation of Israel. And the scripture says that they would come under they would come under the anointing of this, that it would be a unification. You know, it's incredible. I don't have time, and I'm not really going to teach on this here tonight, but I'm just going to go as the Lord leads me. Uh, it's incredible because I was just reading today, and, and Brother Branham in the Feast of the Trumpets, and he begins to talk about how that, uh, how that, that, that all of these, these uh, spirits that were unleashed at the river Euphrates, these, um, uh, you know, these demon spirits, these chargers, he said, were released against Israel. And, and he talks about how that they were released under the sixth seal. And we all know this very well, that that, that sixth seal is a tribulation seal. And you say, well, we're not in the tribulation period. Well, that's right. We're not in the tribulation period. You see, we got to understand. And if you study the message, you'll realize that Brother Branham preached and taught that there was an actual happening or a real taking place of that sixth seal, that tribulation period. But yet even before that sixth seal, there was a pre-tribulation anointing that was released from that seal into the atmosphere. A pastor spent uh, many sermon series upon that, preaching on the vials and the plagues. And so we know Brother Branham talks about the, the you know, the first six seal, uh, the first uh, six seals are covered in Revelations chapter six. And in Revelation six, you have all six seals. You just have the, don't have the seventh seal. Uh, you know, but here, uh, how many knows what the, the seventh seal is? It's the coming of the Lord. But we know the coming of the Lord is an actual event that takes place. The, the rapture, the, the, the advent of Christ, the actual uh, second coming. But we know that that coming had uh, multiple phases to it. And there was a revelation given of the seventh seal. Listen, friends, I truly believe the seventh seal is open here tonight. And now, though the coming of the Lord hasn't physically happened, yet we know that the coming of the Lord started with a shout that would gather a bride around a message and it would come and a shout, a voice, and a trumpet. Can you say amen tonight? 
And we know that Brother Branham says that what, what the trumpets are to Israel, the seals are to the Gentiles. And so the prophet of God would begin to teach us and show us how that under Revelation 6, there were uh, six seals, but the seventh seal was left off. And in fact, you turn your Bible over to Revelation chapter 7, and there's no seventh seal. You don't find the seventh seal until Revelation chapter 8, because the prophet said that there was, he called it uh, uh, a, a, an interval of time. And he said Revelation 7 was between the sixth and the chapter 6 and chapter 8. In other words, between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, there would be an interval of time, Revelation 7, which the prophet of God said was to Israel. It was the calling of the 144,000, right? And so we know that, that, that even though this hasn't taken place yet in time, chronologically, yet the seal was open and the anointing of that pre-tribulation sixth seal literally came upon the heart of Stalin, Eichmann, Hitler, and Brother Branham said, what was those plagues that came to that trumpet that sounded, all the, all the uh, seven trumpets sound under the sixth seal? You say, Brother Matt, well, oh, this isn't making sense. Brother Branham said the sixth seal is the tribulation seal. We're not in the tribulation. Oh God, I hope we're not in the tribulation period yet. But yet we know that even though the sixth seal happening of the tribulation period hasn't taken place yet because mercy's still here. There's a Gentile dispensation still going. There's still the calling out of the bride. That's still happening right now. Brother Branham said, what is this? This is the feast of Pentecost, right? And the prophet of God said, when did the Feast of Pentecost start? It started on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, uh, the, in the book of Acts. When, when God poured out the Holy Ghost upon the church, what was that? That was the Feast of Pentecost. And Brother Branham says that that feast lasts all the way through all seven church ages. So all the way, there's a Feast of Pentecost from Ephesus all the way to the age that you're living in. You say, when does it end? Brother Branham said it ends with the calling out of the bride. Now that's not the calling of you or your soul. That means when God takes the Gentile body off of the earth, the Pentecostal feast is over. And then the prophet says, then what's next is the Feast of Atonement. Brother Branham picks it up and he says, notice the Feast of Atonement is not a, it's not a feast of, uh, to slay the lamb again. Can you say amen? It's not a feast to slay the lamb. He says, but it's to grieve over the lamb that was slain. He says, because under that Feast of Atonement, those Jews will look upon him who they've pierced and they'll mourn. You can't imagine that now. The arrogancy that the Jews have now and the way that they talk about Jesus and the way they talk about Christ. My goodness, friends, listen. That's just the blindness that God put in their hearts. But one day he's gonna send two prophets and those prophets are gonna preach the same message that you have preached to you tonight. Listen, friends, Moses and Elijah in Revelations 11, they won't preach a different message. They won't preach something new. They'll actually be preaching the message of the hour. And the Bible says that, that they'll receive the sealing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my brother and my sister, if the message that, John, that Moses and Elijah will preach will seal the 144,000, what do you think it'll do to a Gentile believer who preaches the message of the hour, the true atonement? It'll seal you to the day of your redemption. Hallelujah. And so Brother Branham says, what was it? Those two prophets, Moses and Elijah, that, the, that, that prophetic ministry would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It would be the ministry of Elijah and Moses that would do this. Brother Branham says it's literally who they were. 
I just read it today. He talks about Elijah. Elijah was never killed. And he says, so he's got to die. Uh, Moses was never killed. Uh, uh, Ma- Michael the archangel disputed with Satan over the body of Moses. Brother Adam says, why? Because he was never buried. He, was, he never mortally died. He's still got to die. That's why the prophets in Revelations 11 will have to die and their body lay in the streets. But you say, Brother Matt, could it really be? As Brother Branham, I was just hearing him say this today. He say, Brother Branham, you say, could it really be Moses and Elijah? And he says, well, look, in, 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 in Mount Transfiguration, there was Moses and Elijah with Jesus Christ. And so, so what was this? This was a, it was a spirit. Let me get back to my thought here tonight. It was a spirit that was released under the sixth seal, and it went into the atmosphere. Listen, friends, the world you live in is literally under the anointing of a tribulation seal. That's why the Bible, that's why the brother Brandon would prophesy and say, I prophesy to you in the name of the Lord, the world will go completely insane. You're living in it. Wake up, you're living in it. I don't care how good South Carolina is. Down in the South, how good it is in the South. How we're the Bible Belt, how we're a Christian nation, founded on Judeo Christian values. Listen, friends, that's a, that's a day of history. That's yesterday, that's not today. Uh, yeah, yeah, p- people are living on the mirage or a memory of the past. I'm here to tell you right now, the world has gone completely insane. It has drank the, it has ingested the spirit of the sick seal. That's why you see the, the hatred for Jews hatred for the for the little land of Israel doesn't make sense doesn't make any sense the only way it could make sense is that it was prophecy being fulfilled you believe that tonight it doesn't make any sense you couldn't put a rational reason. Why would the world, you see the world uniting mobs and protests all around the world. They had to shut an entire airport down in Russia when the refugee Jews had flown out of Israel and flown to Russia. They had to shut the airport down because there was thousands of protesters ready to mob and assault these Jews who are running from refugees from Israel, from the war. How? You say, oh my goodness, Brother Matt. Listen, friends, I'm gonna tell you, there's only one way how, and that's because there's a spirit of destruction. Brother Branham says, before God could ever destroy the world, they have to get into the spirit of destruction first. And so the world that you live in today is getting into the spirit. Did you know Brother Branham said that? He says, before God could ever destroy the world, they would have to fall under the spirit of destruction. That's, why, that, 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 that's exactly why you live in a world full of hatred. Hatred. Senseless hatred. I thought about this today. I thought, it, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's just sen- senseless hatred. Listen, friends, the world that you live in, that you rub shoulders with every single day is a uh, 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 short-tempered, toxic, hateful. uh, uh, Listen, friends, kindness is a thing of the past in the world we live in. Do you believe that? Anybody believe that here tonight? And 
And so it would, it would have to be this way. The world is getting under the spirit of destruction. And listen, friends, I'm just here to go ahead and preach this to you tonight. If the world can get into a spirit of destruction under a sick seal, how much more can the bride of Christ come under the anointing of the seventh seal under the seventh messenger with a rapture anointing to change our bodies? I say before God can ever change our bodies, we got to come under the anointing of a seventh seal, the coming of the Lord to say, Lord, I don't want any of this hatred and malice in the world. I don't want any of the spiritual uh, lady of seal world that I live in. God, I want an anointing of the rapture to come and indwell my body, indwell my mind, Lord Jesus. So what would it be? It would be a, a even, even prophesied. This is what Zechariah prophesies here. And you notice this, it's the, it's the, you see it in, in it appears 16 times. And in, in verse 12, in verse 13, he keeps saying this. In that day, you notice there in your Bible, look at Zechariah chapter 12 again. And he says, in that day, all the prophets would talk about this and say the day of the Lord. They would, the Bible refers to this over and over, the day of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord. This means the day of judgment meaning when the Lord judges. Now, we already, had a, uh, uh, we already had a supernatural cloud up here. And then Brother Branham says, what did you notice when you seen that? It was the white-wigged one, supreme deity in authority, judging, right? Hello? And so we know this was Christ judging when the Lord would establish his throne. Uh, the, the, and listen, friends, God has allowed a period of time for man and kingdoms, and kingdoms to rise and rulers to rise and kings to rise, both great and small. But there's coming a time when the day of man is over and the day of the Lord begins. He's allowed man to live his time. There's a day when God allows Satan to be the prince of the power of the air, but that day's coming to an end one day. Can you say amen? That there, there is a time, there's an allotted time when God allows Satan to be the God of this world. But there's coming a day when he dethrones Satan. The Bible calls it the day of the Lord. It's referred to 16 times. It's when there, it was when Christ returns as the supreme judge. Now, let's look at it, verse 1, uh, chapter, if you look at Zechariah chapter 13. Turn in your Bible, if you could, just here for a moment. I want you to look at this here with me. And so, Zechariah chapter 13, just one chapter over, and verse 1. I got to get off of this because it's not, it's just a foundation for where I really want to go. So uh, let's just read this here. And in that day, notice there it is again. And in that day, uh, let me pull up the full, yes. Uh, Shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land and they shall no more be remembered. And I also will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass. Notice this here. He, he continues to go on. Uh, we're just going to skip through some of this. But I want you to notice this here. It speaks of the siege of Israel. That means an entire Gentile army that surrounds. We were just there. Me and Brother Jason, then uh, Brother Travis and our wives were just there in Israel. And we got to go there to, the, to tell Megiddo, the hill of Megiddo. 
literally where the battle of Armageddon will take place. It's incredible to me when I was watching, we were just standing there looking and we went out to the outlook there in that little city and you could just see this mass, just this valley, that is the valley of Armageddon. And, and it's just this massive valley, this flatland with these mountains on this side and mountains on this side. And you just seen for as far as you could see, just a, a, a flatland, uninhabited, just out in front of you, maybe a road out in the middle. And I just sat there and thought to myself and thought, my goodness, imagine, imagine one day coming very soon. Little did I know just a month later, Israel would go be, be in war. And I thought to myself standing there, I thought, isn't it incredible as we looked at that to think the Bible prophesies that God will bring all the nations of the earth to this field. To this one geographical GPS location. Now notice here, God says, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. In other words, this isn't gonna be a random happening or a random event. God wants to make sure it's clear. I'm the one calling the shots here. As I stood there and looked, I thought it was incredible. Here was the great battle of Armageddon that's going to take place. And Brother Branham says that great battle of Armageddon will simply be the final war, the final battle from the war that started in the Garden of Eden. And so through that battle that starts in Eden, and yet throughout all the way down through history, there's been a war that's been waging. You've been caught in the middle of it. But the prophet of God says the final battle will take place in the battle of Armageddon. And it will be a, it will be a global army, a, a, a global, you want to talk about anti-Semitism. Any any Zionism, the Semitic people, the hatred for the restoration of the of the nation of Israel. You want to you think that it's hatred right now? Imagine the entire world will turn their back on the even this nation. Listen, friends, they talk the 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 the, the Bible shows you this nation's in Revelation chapter thirteen. It'll speak like a dragon one day. And that gentle lamb, that, that gentle, oh, we're just, listen, friends, they, the rulers of this world don't even realize it, that they're under a pre-tribulation anointing that will eventually lead them to turn their back on that little nation of Israel. How many believe that here tonight? And so there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 an escalating. This is what has to happen. We know this, that these kind of things must happen. There's got to be an escalation of hatred for the Jews. Something has to take place because the Bible said it would. You say, do you, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't want it, but I can't stop it. And people can't stop it. Even those that will stand against them can't stop it because they're under an anointing. And so there will be such an extreme hatred for this tiny, little, small nation that sits in the crossroads of the world. This little bitty nation of people. Why, why, does, why do you think, do you think it's the Jewish life? Do you think it's their language? Is it Hebrew that they hate? Is that what causes the hatred? Is it the way that they dress? Is it the way that they look? Is it the color of their skin? It must be racism. It must be just they hate the talk. Listen, friends, 
there's one reason why the hatred could come to that level. I'm gonna tell you why. Because God set his love for that little nation. And the devil hates what God loves. Oh, friends, do you realize why all hell is against you? Because God has set his love on you. Listen, friends, when all hell rushes in, you ought, to, you, ought to take, you ought to rejoice and say, God, that must prove you've got a lot of love. I might not feel like I'm much, Lord, but you must think an awful lot about me. And the Bible says here, it will, it will, it, that the entire world will come against them. Even in chapter 12, it goes into detail to the attack of all the worldwide United Nation army. And it talks about how Israel will be, will be invaded it's, it's, it says here, it's the burden. Notice this in verse one. The burden, the burden of the word of the Lord. <laughs> this is what God is saying. This is, this is important here. Zechariah begins and says, this is a burden from the Lord. It's a message from the Lord. It's directly from the Lord. This isn't Zechariah's message. Zechariah is just the messenger. You know what they did with Zechariah? They murdered him. Yep. Yeah. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 23. They hated the prophets. Why? Because the prophet is who the word of the Lord comes to. Listen, you won't, you won't have any hatred from the devil as long as you don't have the word of the Lord. But when you have the word of the Lord and you preach the word of the Lord, you speak the word of the Lord, you take a stand for the word of the Lord, Jesus said they hated me, they're gonna hate you too. And so it's a burden. He says, the burden, uh, the, the, the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And, and, he, and he says, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be a, this, this burden means a weighty revelation. It's, it's a revelation. This is, this, is a, this is like Jesus talked about, woe unto them. This is something burdensome. This is something heavy. And then he goes on to say, I will make, I will make Israel. Notice this from God. Notice the prophecy. What you're seeing here is God. You see God in action through prophets, through priests, through kings, through people. But now you're seeing God himself in action. Okay? And God is saying, I'm going to be the one orchestrating this. There will be people that will be players, but I will be in control. There will be rulers that will be players or actors in this drama. Satan actually will be the prime actor. Little does he know. Why did Brother Adam say when would Jesus, when God says, I'll bring all the nations of the earth. As I sat there and looked at that field, and I was talking to Brother Travis, I said, isn't it incredible that God says, I'll gather all nations to this field. And you say, why would God do this to bring all? And he goes on in Zechariah and says, because I'll have them all in one place to pour out my wrath upon them. God says, there's gonna be players but God is going to be the director. Yes, amen. God is the one doing this. That's why from verse two to verse nine, you read these statements. God says in verse two, Zechariah 12, God says in verse two, behold, I, I personal pronoun, I will do this. Behold, I will make Jerusalem. Verse three, 
I will strike. Verse four, I will open. Verse six, I will make. Verse nine, I will set. Verse 10, I will pour. What is he saying here? In the first person, you don't find this anywhere else in the Bible. God is saying, I want you to catch this. This is something that I'm going to be doing. This is sovereign. This is, this is God saying, I'm going to be the one in control of the future of the world. Oh, can you say amen? Let me say this, the, uh, the civilization is not some random thing that's uh, like a clock wound up that God just wound up. It's just going through time and one day uh, the wrong person will, will push the wrong button and all the world will end and all time will end. Listen, friends, that ain't how God runs things. God knows the specific day, hour, minute. And he's making this clear in Zechariah chapter 12. I, I want to remove all possibility of you wondering how human history will end. There's not going to be any mystery. The world is not going to come to an end by some great random event or some collision, some great environmental catastrophe, and eventually global warming will just catch the, catch the atmosphere on fire and everyone's going to burn, or some comet from the you know, a stratosphere is going to implode the world. Listen, friends, it's not going to be some random event. It's not going to be something that goes wrong. Are you, catch, are you hearing me tonight? It's not going to be something that just mishap, just a mishap that happens. And everybody's, listen, that's how people run their lives. They're, the anxiety and the nervousness that the, the, the world is completely drunk with is because they have no revelation. And when you have no revelation, everything is uncertain. It's uncertainty that produces anxiety. It's uncertainty of what's going to happen that produces fear that the Bible prophesies and said men's hearts will actually fail. And say, I'm so glad I've got a revelation. I'm so glad I've got a stability. I've got an answer to the devil's question. There's nothing uncertain about my life. Everything has already been mapped out, planned out, orchestrated to God. We're not going to be blasted, you know, into some tiny bits because of some comet or some asteroid. But let me say it this way. God says the ending of all time is clearly defined in Scripture. And here's how it's defined. I will. I will set. I will pour. I will bring. God's saying, you know who's going to bring the world to to its conclusion? Me. Not Putin, not Biden, not Trump if he gets reelected. I'll say that again. Not Trump if he gets reelected. Listen, there will be players, there will be actors, but it will be God. Listen, I just want to tell the devil tonight, you don't control my life. In fact, you don't have any levers of my life in your control. You don't have any available, you don't have access to the buttons that control my life. My life is surrounded and shielded by Almighty God and God pulls the levers and God pushes the buttons. That's why I can say, Lord, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I may breathe my last breath here on this side. It's because you chose that exact moment at that exact time and you know best, Lord. 
The devil doesn't say when my life ends. Brother Branham said that. The devil can't even touch you, can't take you until God's finished with you. We ought to get a resounding amen. And so it's this hatred that comes, uh, the, the, the description of the Bible says, all the nations of the earth will gather against Jerusalem and Judah, against the people of Israel. And so the Bible talks about this and talks about it, says it's a cup of, of trembling. This, this, this word cup is, I can't pronounce the, uh, the, the, the word, that, the, 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 the uh, Hebrew word here, but it's not like a cup, like a, like a cup of coffee. But it's a cup, it's, it's a, because a cup like that is something that someone drinks from. But this is something that the, 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 the Bible uses this word here, and it says that it's a, not just a coffee cup, but it's actually a large basin. Amen. In other words, all the nations of the earth have drunken of the wine of her fornication. It's not just a little anointing that comes upon the nation of America, but it actually engulfs the entire world. Globally. Do you know that that is the power of a spirit? A spirit can bring an anointing globally, not just to one person, but to many. That's why the Holy Ghost is the same in America as it is in Africa. The Holy Ghost is the same in Africa as it, as in, as a, as it is in Russia. And the same spirit that comes upon the world in the end time is the same spirit that's anointing Russia, it's anointing China, it's anointing America. The Bible says they have all drank from the wrath of her fornication. Can you say amen? amen. And so this is, this is the age that you live in. It's an age of hatred. It's an age of inclusion where you have our group and our people and our clique and our circle. This is where denominationalism forms from. The same exact spirit of unity is upon the denominational church. That's why it's called the binding of the tares. Because they have to have something to unify them. Something to be identified with. Can I turn a corner here tonight? Something to be identified with. But it's the same spirit. A spirit of hatred. You know, I, I, just, I just hear today, just hearing God's prophet talk about divine love. And I thought, you know, divine love is something so different than human love because human love is fleeting. It's emotional. You love when it's good, but you don't when it's not. But divine love is a love that's not, not conditional. It's not, it's not constrained or controlled by exterior circumstances. <laughs> And so God says, God says, while the world has drank from us from a basin of hatred, yeah. I'm gonna give a basin of divine love. Yeah. I'm gonna send gifts to the body. Yeah. Now, listen, they're not, not evil things. These are good things. Yeah. Things to encourage, things to strengthen. Amen. Why does God send gifts to the body? Not to tear down, but to build up. You ought to never use your gift to tear down. That's not why God gave it to you. He gave it to build up. He gave it to, to, to strengthen. It's what we read here in our, in our Bible in our opening text in, in, in Ephesians. To where every joint supplieth. And so we live in an age where the Bible, where the scripture talks about that there'll be heady, high-minded. Right? 
How many here believe right now you, you, you live under the fulfillment of that scripture? Where they're heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Doesn't mean they won't be lovers of God. You see, uh, uh, one of the most binding spirits is a religious spirit. To say, I love God, but I don't want his word. But I'm here to say, Lord, I want your word. I want all of your word. Not just some of it. Listen, friends, not just a part of it, but all of it. As Brother Branham says, it won't just be, they won't just point you to one part of the word, but the whole word. The entire thing. So God says, I'm going to send gifts. And it's incredible to me because, you know, Brother Branham preached this in Romans 12, and he talks about the diversities and the varieties of gifts. Even in Romans 12, it says, let ministers wait on their ministering, teachers wait on their teaching, and those that exhort wait on their exhortation. And so God clearly says in Romans 12, there's diversities. People are different. Not everybody's the same. Amen. I'm going to turn a corner here, so just stay with me here just for a moment. But you know, human nature, carnal nature, fallen nature that you still have after you're born again. <laughs> I said carnal nature, fallen nature, human nature that you still have. Well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost from the head of my from my head to my toes, man. It comes out of it comes out of my mouth. I'm overflowing with the with the Holy Ghost. That's fine. That's good. Praise God for it. You still live with the sticky nature, and in that sticky nature, if you're if if in that, I'm just going to move on. Let me keep going. <laughs> you know what it is about fallen nature. You know what you know what people like. People like everything to be in their box. And anything that's outside of their box, uh, it's lesser than good. We'll just call it that. Less than ideal. But people, listen, the Bible speaks clearly about diversities of gifts. Teachers, we just read it in Ephesians chapter four, and he gave some teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors for the edification of the body, not the tearing down, not to give place to hatred and bitterness and malice and envy, but the Bible goes further. Didn't we just read about it? To be kindly affectionate one towards another. But people, do you realize this is what makes up a cult? That's what makes up a cult, is one culture. Only room for your favorite and your preference. Oh boy, it's quiet in here. Did you hear that? This is what makes up a cult, I'm just telling you. Read it right from Brother Google if you want. When you only have room for your flavor or your kind or your idea or your preference. Listen, friends, I'm just going to go on and say a lot of things that we call uh, sinful and wrong and right really just are our preferences. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here. I'm here to preach to you. There's things that are clearly wrong and clearly right. But if we're not careful, we get so clammed down and narrow-minded that we put anything outside of how we were raised, how we grew up. But God is a God of variety. 
God is not a God who cuts anyone out. Let me just go ahead and preach to you. There are no orphans in God's family. There are no outcasts in his family. There are no rejects in his family. In fact, God doesn't put anybody out. We put people out. We cut out anything and every, everyone that's not like us, doesn't talk like you, look like you. This is really where racism is. This is, it's the same exact spirit. You say, Brother Matt, where in the world are you going? It's the same exact spirit that you're seeing in Zechariah 12 that comes upon the entire world because they won't unify, because they won't be different, because they want to be different. They won't come under order. They won't come under the same harmony, the same rhythm. And many people think that the biggest, listen, I'm just gonna go and preach here for a moment. Let's read him from my notes. God makes everyone different. I'll go a little bit further and can I bring it down just a little bit more? Not everybody's the same. Not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody thinks the thoughts that you think. Not everyone has the same perspective that you have. Not everybody is the same. Uh, listen, not everybody preaches the same. If we're not careful, we think that the only one who's preaching is the man who's got the, the, the foam cover filled with slava. Or he's not red-faced. Or he's not yelling and screaming. Listen, I, you obviously would know that's, that I've got a preference. I prefer preaching. I, I prefer spitting and screaming and red-faced yelling. But God didn't make everybody that way. Hello? God didn't make everybody. Some people are, 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 are you know, uh, you know what, what can cause so much confusion and so much disharmony is. Unity is not all of us agreeing on everything. I'm just gonna go ahead and preach because I'm out here on a limb and I got one option. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> Unity is not all of us agreeing on everything. You might disagree with me. I'm positive I'll disagree with you. You might not share the same exact opinions that I do. Does that put me out and you in or me in and you out? Nope. So people say, oh, well, you know, we've got, we've got problem with intellectual, intellectual people, uh, you know, because Brother Branham had so much to say about intellectual preaching and I'm all, uh, I'm against it. Brother Branham was against dry-eyed intellectualism. But listen, friends, there's been as many spitting, screaming, slobbering, dynamic, fireball preachers that have stood behind pulpits and led lives of adultery. The problem has not been the preference. The problem has been they haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. Hello? The problem is not the type of personality because I've learned... <laughs> There's different personalities. And people are different. And people look at things different. And people view things different. I got a question. It doesn't matter what I think or what you think. It only matters really, right? What God thinks. And so, so not all of us are the same. People from the South are different. I don't care what you say. Than people from the North. Amen, Brother Ken. <laughs> he ain't from there anymore. People from the East are different than people from the West. 
Take my word for it, right, Brother Matthew? Very different. My father-in-law told me when I first moved to Arizona, I was 18 years old. He said, Matt, you gotta get to, you gotta learn something. Cause I just wanted after church, I wanted to go over to people's house and fellowship and have lunch and spend the day together. People weren't like that out there. The church got over and poof, they were going man back to their cars, all to their different locations. He said, you gotta realize people in Arizona are a lot like the cactus. They're real sticky. Don't get too close. <laughs> They're different. Now, not all of them are like that. There's some born again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really mean not all of them are like that. You go into different parts of Arizona, they're not that way. You go into certain southern parts, more towards the desert. Listen, people are different. People from the east are different than people from the west. And there's good about them, and there's bad about us. And there's positives about them, and negatives about them. And there's positives about the south. And believe it or not, some negatives about the south. In fact, it would be our area that would be called the rebel state. And you think that doesn't pass on down to people to have a rebellious, rebel against law and order? All right, you true sassafras southerners, you got to say amen to the word of God. It's true anyway. Listen, not all people are the same. Uh, There's different flavors. There's different foods. Uh, It even gets bigger when you look at different countries. Different countries, people approach things different. Do you know in China, when I was in China in 2014, whatever it was, do you know that over there, it's a good thing when the church splits? Because it means your church has grown to such a size that you're going to have attention from the government, so you actually have to go in and split the church. And one pastor takes one group, and another pastor takes another group. Imagine trying that here in the States. But in China, it's a good thing. The church in Chindal, when it split, it got over 200 people. Two brothers, pastor got together, got with the minister and said, let's pray God gives a, finds, sends the right man. Which one of you out of all these brothers to, to, to lead the other church? They split the church down the middle. Half the church went down to a church about 30 miles down the road. One church of the north, one church of the south. It's different. It's a different playbook. Try to play by our playbook over there and say, well, you know, the the word of God is clear. Listen, the word of God is clear, but there's differences in varieties and applications. Okay, Lord, this is what you wanted me to preach now. Does that mean that God is only going to rapture the people out of the South? Or the people in the United States of America? They asked Brother Brandon that question. We gotta live in Tucson. We gotta live in Indiana. Has everyone gotta move? move?" Listen, friends. This is, this is the thinking that's upon carnal nature. And so does, does it mean that God only loves people from this place or, or this country? Or does it mean the, that the bride of Christ around the world will all act the same, talk the same, even look the same? Listen, they don't all look the same. And certain cultures I visit in certain countries, the way that they dress, it's modest. There's modesty. They're dressed according to the message of the hour, but there's differences. And so God never intended to make us all the same, to look the same. Hello, somebody. He didn't want us to all look like Southerners. I know some of us believe that, 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 that we should, but that's not how God intended. He didn't ever, let me just go further and say he doesn't even want every church to look like each other. He doesn't want this church to match another church and that church to match another church. 
And that one do everything the same way. I'm afraid if we're not careful, that's what's happened in the message is everybody has a benchmark and they all try to be like this one or be like that one or look like this one or look like that one. Whatever happened to the sovereign body, the local assembly being led by the Holy Ghost. If we're not careful, we lose our sovereignty of local bodies. And I'm afraid even live streaming services, that's been great. We do it. I love it. Thank God for it. But listen, friends, God, Satan will take any of these things and pervert them in such a way. I've watched it happen. And to where you have, you have, you have preachers preaching to a YouTube audience because the pastor of this church, I've heard it myself. I'm preaching only here locally, but I've heard it myself how one pastor was telling another pastor how that he had got up that Sunday and blasted this other pastor because of what that pastor said to his pulpit that he streamed his service and he heard what that meant. So he got behind his pulpit and I'm just thinking, where are the people in all this? They might as well dismiss and go home. If this is what it's really became about, if we're not careful, we become no different than the Republicans and the Democrats. I'm just going to preach it. If we're not careful, we become no different than Republicans and Democrats and groups over here, cliques over here, denominations over here, brotherhoods over here. What happened to the body of Christ? I heard one brother say, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, you know, it's just how you tune an instrument. You don't tune that guitar to a tuning pick and then take that guitar and you go over to the piano and then you tune the piano to that guitar that was tuned to the tuning pick. Then you take that piano and you tune the organ to the piano that was tuned to the guitar, that the guitar was tuned to the tuning pick. Then you take the organ and you tune it, tune the mandolin to the organ that was tuned to the piano to the guitar. That's not how you do it. You say, well, in their work, because there's always going to be subtle differences. What you do is you have one absolute. Hallelujah. You have one absolute, the word. And everybody's tuned to the word. And when you're all tuned to the word, you'll get the same result. You'll get the same manifestation. You'll get the same Holy Ghost. And so was God just going to send uh, was God going to make everyone look the same, act the same? All churches, all preachers will be the same. You ain't called. You ain't even anointed if you're not yelling in your voice. Decimal doesn't reach over 80. Well, send me that quote, brother. Send me that scripture. Where does it even say it in the Bible? Listen to what the word of God says here. Turn up my PowerPoint if you could. Uh, listen, this is, what the word, this is what the word preach means. The Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the word Caruso, to be a herald, proclaim properly, to herald, to proclaim. This is why Brother Branham says you can live a sermon louder than you can preach a sermon. Because your life can proclaim something and affect somebody that my sermon can never touch. It means to announce a message publicly and with conviction, persuasion, to be a herald, to officiate as a herald, to proclaim after the manner of a herald, always with suggestion of formality, gravity, and authority, which must be listened to and obeyed. I didn't hear screaming. I didn't hear getting voices over 80 decimals. Say, Brother Matt, why are you harping on that? Because I'm here to tell you there's a spirit in the world that comes upon the entire nation that if we're not careful, we get under the same order 
of the unification of the world. We all got to be the same, look the same, act the same, talk the same. When God is a God of varieties and not everybody is the same. Not all churches are the same. (laughs) You ever go overseas? How many here? Raise your hand if you've been overseas. Been on a missionary trip, not to, not to Canada. <laughs> That's not even overseas. How many has been on a missionary trip? Okay, good. Then you would know I'm preaching this and I'm not just making this up. Not all churches look like our churches in the USA. Brother Matt, that just means they haven't caught the revelation. They need to close those churches up. They need to get on live stream, take video, take cameras, take pictures, look like us, dress like, talk like us, act like us, sing the same songs we sing. Uh-uh. That's not what, it's not God's church. And so does it mean that the bride of Christ were around the world? Well, listen, of course it doesn't mean that because what God was going to send to dress the bride, it wasn't going to be a Southern culture. It wasn't gonna be a Northern culture. In fact, it wasn't gonna be an American culture. Can you say amen today? But what would dress the bride would be the word and it would be a culture from above. It would be a heavenly language. It would be a heavenly dress code. It would be a heavenly tongue. It would be varieties of people with different skin types, with different languages and different countries, but all led under the same Holy Ghost then what would be the same? It would be the same gospel message that was resounded and delivered at Pentecost would be preached throughout the entire bride. Can I get a loud amen here tonight? Listen, the prophet of God says in Ephesians church age, that is her standard. That's the pattern. There is no other pattern. What God did at Pentecost would be the pattern until the church age is in. God will not change. So it was I got to move on. The, 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 so the spirit and the bride would say, come. So her message would be the same. I'm not saying that you change the message. I'm not saying it's this church over here that believes it this way and we believe it that way. And that's not what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. I'm saying that there's people that are different. God didn't make us all the same and that's the way God designed it. Amen. Let's hear how Brother Branham t- dealt with people that didn't believe like him. Not that this is the anointed ones at the end time. Not that we disagree with you, brother, to be different. Many of you here might be Trinitarian preachers. We don't want to be angry with you. We love you. It's amazing to me that a prophet could have love for a Trinitarian preacher who believes in three gods, whether he knows it or not. And yet we can stomp out, stifle out, and talk so disparagingly of another brother who believes the message, but might see something a little different than what you see. We love you if we didn't. If I didn't believe that, I'd never leave this church till I got down there on my knees and said, God, make me right. A Trinitarian preacher. And yet it's okay for us to talk disparagingly about people who don't believe like us. I don't want to be arrogant. Listen, I love this. He says, I don't want that arrogant, selfish spirit mixed up with mine. Me neither, Brother Branham. 
I want my spirit. I love this. I want my spirit to be pure and clean. Brotherly love, holy with the Holy Spirit. Oh, how many just identify with that and say, I don't want that arrogant, selfish spirit. I want my spirit to be clean. I want it to be holy before God. If someone does anything wrong to me, that's all right. And though I might have the right to get back at them, I don't want that in my life. Oh God, help us to get back to this kind of spirit. To where we care about the spirits that we have in our life. I don't know about you, friends. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I read those words, I, I, I nearly collapsed. I just cried and cried my eyes out. I said, God, there's so many things in, that I could say. I don't want that in my life. And I, I look at things in my life. And I, sometimes, friends, I'll be honest with you. I look in the mirror and I hate who I am. I believe that any single one of us could, could say that and say, I don't like who I am. I don't like how I act sometimes. Sometimes I'm temperamental. Sometimes I'm selfish. Oh, come on, somebody be honest here tonight. Sometimes I say the wrong thing. Sometimes I lose my temper. But I'm saying tonight, I don't want that in my life. I want to be clean of that, Jesus. Though I might have the right to get back to them, I don't, he says, I don't want that in my life. I want to have love. I want to be ready to correct with love, with love that absolutely answers out yonder for it. I don't mean to be different Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, whoever you are. I don't say these things to be different, to be arrogant with you. If I did, I'm a hypocrite and should be down here at this altar praying through to God. But I say it, it's because of love. And I see where you're going now. And I'll say this in myself and saying, I'm presuming I give you thus saith the Lord. That is the truth. And I love you for those things. Did his love stop him from saying the cutting hard things he had to say? No, it didn't stop him. But his attitude and his spirit was clean before God. And it was love that constrained him to say it. Listen, in birth pains, 1965, if I make mistakes, forgive me. I'm not a theologian. I don't criticize theologians. Theology is all right. It's what we need. But sometimes I criticize the condition that we've gotten into. That doesn't mean to any certain individuals. It's just the message. Can I go further? I wish that it wasn't mine to give. It tears me apart. You mean this was the disposition of a true prophet of God? He didn't come with that message of wrath and destruction. He didn't come there licking his chops. Oh, I can't wait to get out there and just. That wasn't the truth. That wasn't the evidence of a true. That wasn't the spirit of a true prophet. Hello? He says it tears me to pieces because you know how you feel of your own children. Don't you hate to give a, don't you hate to have to give a child a scolding? balling out or something though I'm a parent too and I know what it means and I trust you forgive me God's power to transform if somebody would come to me something contrary I would kind of just argue and argue and argue with them and when they didn't see it my way I'd get on whatsapp and I'd paste it to this person and to that person and to that person and say oh that brother's just going on to intellectualism he's just a dry eyed you know reformed Baptist he don't even believe the message Brother Branham said something contrary. 
I would kind of misunderstand it myself. I wouldn't want to criticize what anyone says. We're not to criticize each other. I'm not guilty of doing that. I thank the Lord. I have criticized sin and unbelief, but no individual person. See, I don't. We are brothers. I love this. And sisters striving. We are coming down to where Sister Florence came yesterday morning. We all got to come that way. And it's not my purpose to try to criticize a brother or sister that wouldn't agree with you. I'm afraid, as one brother said so perfectly, we have the message of William Branham, but we don't have the spirit that William Branham delivered it in. I see a lot of this. I should hear a lot of this. Amen. As one brother said, we have the message he preached, but I'm afraid we don't have the spirit in which the messenger gave it. And Brother Branham says that in the Church Age book, it's got to be the message and the spirit of the message. It's got to be said in the spirit of Christ. Hello, friends. It's not my purpose to criticize a brother or sister that wouldn't agree with you. No, be it far from me to do that. I don't think you'll ever find a tape that I called anybody's name on, which I felt many times the person was wrong, but that's between them and God. But what is wrong in the way of sin and misunderstanding sometimes is not even sin. It's just misunderstandings of people. And I think, I think, I think each one of us has a right to express ourselves to our own understanding. Oh God, help us to have that kind of an attitude. I think each one of us has a right to express ourselves to our own understanding. But you see what a cult does is it cuts off anyone who doesn't line up with my understanding. All right, we'll keep going. The way to have fellowship, I'd rather have a church, listen, just a moment. I'd rather have a church that knows nothing about any spiritual gift and just be so in love with each other and with Christ. I'd rather have that than every spiritual gift operating in the church. Now that might sound hard in a Pentecostal group, but I would rather have it. Where there is gifts, they'll fail. Where there is gifts, they'll bring confusion. Where there is gifts, they can be questioned. But when there is love, it is perfect. That's right. And if you had perfect love, you'd have perfect gifts. That's right. So work first with love. That brings fellowship. And fellowship brings gifts. And a Pentecostal church, the spoken word is the original seed, is just as bad. Listen to what he identifies with the Pentecostal church. Because Brother Branham always stood no matter, oh my goodness, I just went way back. I'm sorry, we're not going to repeat these. As Brother Branham uh, uh, says, this is, this is it, he always stood between two things. I was just hearing the token message last night. And Brother Branham begins to talk about how that we've made Thanksgiving a tradition. And he talks about how that one, he says, everything's just became a tradition anymore. And he says, I was watching a Billy Graham meeting. And he says, I watched as they, as Billy Graham gave the altar call. And he says, I watched a bunch of boys up there around the altar, punching each other in the arm, laughing, cutting, giggling, hollering, then praying. Brother Branham says, that's not how you come to the altar of God. You don't come giggling and laughing and hooping and shouting and hollering but he's preaching on the token to be identified with your lamb. 
And he says, when you come to the altar, you're coming to die. And so Brother Branham hits against that, 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 uh, that take towards, towards a confession or repentance to where it's just made light of. And he says, he says, people can pray for healing. Oh God, heal me of this, heal me of that. He says, but when it comes down to real repentance, real self-sacrifice, real dying out to oneself, oh, they don't want anything to do with that. And he says, but then Thanksgiving has become a tradition. And he says, I'm gonna put it in your lap. When you come to the altar in a dry-eyed confession, it's just a tradition. And so the prophet of God identifies always between two groups, the Pentecostal group and the Baptist group. You say, well, which one was he identified with? Right down the middle of the road. And whether you wanna accept this or not, I can show it to you in the message. Brother Branham said he drew from both groups. They both had a truth. Both were in ditches, and I don't want to be in neither one. Can I get a hearty amen? amen. Listen to what Brother Adam says. In a Pentecostal church, it's just, a bad, just as bad. A bunch of jumping and shouting and speaking in tongues and things like that. You say, Brother Matt, are you preaching against jumping and shouting? My goodness, you know me. I'm not preaching against that. Amen. But listen to what he says. She shouting and speaking in tongues. When it comes down, enough temper to fight a buzzsaw and turn you out of their congregation. You take a person that speaks with tongues, enough temper to fight a buzzsaw, and talk about the neighbors and everything like that, why you call that the Holy Ghost? It cannot be. No, sir. Speaking in tongues. Oh, you say, oh, you're gonna speak in tongues? You might. But listen, friends, you may never speak in tongues. You may never speak in tongues. You may never you may never dance in the spirit, but here's what you better not miss. You better not miss that life that changes your temper. Because you can have all of the jumping and shouting and, and rejoicing. Or you better have the love of Christ down in your heart that'll make you encourage one another, not talk about each other. The marriage of the Lamb, the Holy Ghost is meekness, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience, faith, the Holy Ghost. That's the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit bears in the church of the living God. Sweetness. Man, it's not just good old Southern people that are sweet. No. Nope. Holy Ghost-filled Christians are sweet. and humbleness, humility, love one for another. Long-suffering. Friends, I'm afraid sometimes we've left off the main thing. We've majored on these things, but we've left off the main thing. Amen. Brother Adam says, if a brother's gone wrong, don't just beat him or something, or something another. Go after him. And see if you can get him back. Don't wait for the preacher to do it. You do it. Somebody else. Preacher can't do it all. Neither can the deacons. Everybody's a member of the body of Christ. Should go after one another. You, you mean go after them on text to another person, right? You mean go after them on Facebook and write a subliminal post that's directly talking about them, but not really calling out their name. That's not what he means. 
We got, if we got the spirit of Christ in us, he taught the great parable. They left the 90 and nine and went after that one. That's what we're supposed to do. But we say, oh, let them go. We never should do that. You should be gentle, forgiving, long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Hello, church. Amen. The thing is, the churches went on without, went off without God. They've went off without, they found out the fruit of the Spirit has left the church. Along this is getting in the Spirit. This is getting in the Spirit. This is the message. 1961, get it in the spirit. Oh, I know what it means to get in the spirit. Brother means when I get to dancing and I get to shout and I get to rejoicing and speaking in tongues, I'm really in the spirit. You might be, but you might just be in an emotional workup and not in the spirit of it at all. In the message, get it in the spirit. Brother Branham says the church is left off. Found out the fruit of the spirit is left the church long suffering. Some of them with enough temper. Why it would fight a buzzsaw and talk about the Holy Ghost. Why the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, long suffering. Yes, about suffered. Brother Branham says suffered. Yes, about two minutes. That's all. And away they go. So long-suffering, fruits all dried up. If I only look down tonight and look here in the city, look for the last, this is Abraham's covenant confirmed. I'm gonna get through these and then we're gonna close. Is that all right? Is that all right? Look for the last three months. Come on, I haven't preached in probably three months. Give me a little bit of grace here tonight. If I only look down tonight and look here in the city, look for the last three. Remember, I'm only long-winded. Depends on who you compare me to. It's all relative. Look for the last three months where I've been across the nation and see the falling away of the churches, the indifference of the pastors. See the indifference among the people who come out look like fishes and loaves. And the first little thing got enough temper to fight a bustle and indifferent, nasty, the Pentecostal people. Ministerial, you, brother Matt, you don't, you must not know what righteous indignation is. I'm telling you what, you don't know what righteous indignation is. I just got godly zeal. Listen, friends, Brother Branham says the zeal of the hour is to say, I'm sorry, I repent, Lord. Hello? Ministerial Association wants to draw me out of the ring. The Ministerial Association wants to draw me out of the ring just because I let a man on the platform that wasn't baptized the way they thought he ought to be baptized. Oh, such indifference oh such indifference because God doesn't make everybody the same God doesn't make us all the same listen friends if we're not careful we get to a place to where we cut everybody off that doesn't see it like us think like us talk like us I'm talking about message believers I'll go a little bit further and say even in churches, if we're not careful, we make our own circle of friends and our own circles of cliques. That ought not to be in this church. We ought to be one body. I said one body to where every joint supplieth. And if you see one going off, you ought to go after him. Lord, just begin to deal with my heart so strong. I'm gonna close. The zeal of the hour, Brother Branham says, is to repent. 
is to repent. That's the zeal of the bride. The spirit of the age is my rights. The spirit of the age is a spirit of destruction. We talked about it. The spirit of the age is one that's weak, wimpy, sissies. Hello? That's the spirit of the age, but that's not the spirit that you're under. The anointing of the age that the bride gives is an eagle anointing to rise above all of the spirits that are in the the fourth dimension that were released under the sixth seal. You say, Brother Matt, they're in the world. That doesn't mean you got to ingest them. That doesn't mean you got to give them place. That doesn't mean you got to give them place in your heart. We ought not make an excuse for anything. We ought not make any excuse for anything in our personality of how we were raised or what we went through. Anything that's contrary to the word of God, we ought to repent and say, God, change me. I don't want that in my life, Lord. That's the spirit of the, of the age. And so, so notice this here. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna preach this here. I printed out some things the Lord was just giving me just this afternoon in, in my vehicle as I just begin to pray and just begin to talk to the Lord. And I just begin to say, Lord, I, I, and my own heart, these words kept just coming back to me, back to Gethsemane. Go back to Gethsemane. The Lord just began to deal with my heart even as I prepared for this message as I was listening to the token. Not what I preached here tonight, but I'm just here at the end. Uh, Brother Brandon B talks about being identified with our atonement. You know what it means? It means to be identified with a dying out to oneself. Back to our sacrifice. Back to, to real genuine love. If we read it in Ecclesiastes chapter four, grieve not the Holy Ghost whereby you're sealed unto the day of your, your redemption. Then he goes right after that. He goes right after that and starts saying, don't walk as gen, other Gentiles walk with tattlings and backbitings and malice and hatred. These things shouldn't be named amongst us. Listen, friends, I'm just gonna say this. We have the example from a prophet of God, a true prophet, on how to be a man. Can I get an amen? I said we have an example of a true prophet of what it means to be a man. And he wasn't a sissy but he also wasn't a chauvinist. He also wasn't an arrogant person. He also wasn't a haughty attitude person. In fact, you know, as it's been said many times, Brother Billy Paul said the greatest miracle was that you couldn't tell his enemies from his friends. We have the example from a prophet on how to not be a jellyfish. Not be a compromise. You think Brother Branham compromised with those Trinitarians? When he got around Trinitarians, he just sort of put his doctrine to the side and said, you know, I'll just sort of, sort of be a chameleon in any group I'm in. No, that's not what the prophet of God did. He took a stand for the word of God. We have the example of what it means to have a stand for the word of God. You don't have to be a jellyfish to have love. You don't have to be a compromiser to have love. Can I get the church to give me an amen here tonight? Come on, I need them right here at the end. You don't have to be, listen friends, you don't have to be a jellyfish or a compromiser or a weakling without a backbone to still have love one for another. 
We have the example of a prophet who could take a stand, not be a bat, not be a compromiser, not be a jellyfish, but still a man who loved, a man who was gentle. A man who was kindly affectionate. You say the sign of the Son of Man was the ministry of discernment of heart. I truly believe that, but I believe there was more to the sign of the Son of Man than just the ministry to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I believe we've seen more in a prophet of God. I believe we've seen the maturity of the nature of Christ in a human being. And I say, God, don't just give me the message. Give me the spirit of the message. Oh, don't just give me doctrines. Give me a life. Give me something that's real. Give me something that breathes, something that's real, something that can touch, something that can feel, something that can reach out. Not arrogant. Not haughty. Musicians, could you come? Not temperamental. but real. Friends, I want the real thing. I don't know about you here tonight as you stand to your feet with me, but I want the real thing. I want the thing that really changes my nature. If all my revelation makes me arrogant, then I don't want it. If all my revelation makes me angry, I don't want it. Hello? If all my great stooped and all my great heights of revelation and all, the, uh, all my understanding, if all of it makes me as bitter and boastful, if it doesn't make me love my enemy, then what good is it? But I'm here to preach to you and tell you the true gospel of Jesus Christ will make you love your enemy. The true gospel of Jesus Christ will make you a gentle person. The true true gospel of Jesus Christ will make you love one another even when it seems impossible. The true love, the true revelation doesn't give you bitterness or humility and contriteness and love. Can you bow your heads with me here tonight? I'm afraid sometimes as the prophet of God says, we've accepted a church spirit but not the Holy Spirit. I thought about this today, every head bowed, every eye closed. And maybe nothing I've said here won't mean anything to you. But maybe just, just give me this one, this one minute. Life has a way, life, the, the life that you live has a way of wearing your patience down. Come on, I, I know it's not, I'm not the only one. Has a way of wearing your patience down, wearing you thin. Wearing your tolerance thin. Even to where even in your own heart as a believer born of the Spirit of God, you know deep down inside of your heart there's something there, Lord, that's not like you. There's something there, Lord, that I can't find in the Word. It's not identified in the nature of Christ. I can't justify that thing. I can't, I can't give it, I can't, I can't put any kind of excuse to it. I know there's things in my life, things in my flesh, oh, Brother Matt, that I just, I won't free of. 
I, I say like the prophet of God says, I don't want that in my life. How many honest hands could go up before the Lord, mine up, and say, Lord, I don't want that arrogant, cruel, cruel-hearted, that spirit of temper. I don't want that in my life, Lord. Say, Brother Matt, is there a cure? Can it be cured? Is there an answer to my bitterness? Is there an answer to my temper? Oh, my brother, I got hope for you tonight. There's hope. There's an answer to that. There's a cure for that spirit of anger. There's a cure for that bitterness. There's a cure for that temper. It's the true atonement, the true Holy Ghost that's been restored back to you where you could really take on the spirit of the Lamb that nature, not a nature to say, give me my rights, but that nature of the lamb to say, I'm gonna lay down my rights. I'm gonna become a true sacrifice. Oh, that runs so contrary to the world, but it's in the nature of the seed that's down inside of you. I just wanna say by an uplifted hand to say, God, give me that true, give me that true real thing, Lord, that changes. Give me the fruits of the spirit, Lord. Give me that, I, I want all of it, God not just part of it. I don't ever want to settle for any part of my humanity. I want to say like David said in Psalms 51, I wonder if you could pray that prayer. David says, create in me a clean heart. Create in me. I love that word because it's so special. Because David realized, Lord, this isn't something I can manufacture. I've tried it in all my best efforts. I've tried to give myself a clean heart, Lord, but I'm going to use a word that only applies to the Creator. Create in me a clean heart, Jesus. And here's another word I want to pray, and I want you to raise your hand if you resonate. Renew the right spirit within me, oh God. Renew the right spirit within me, oh God. Listen, friend, that's a prayer I can't pray for you. You gotta pray it for yourself. You can raise your hand and that's wonderful that you identify. But if you really want it, if there's really something down inside of you, you've gotta ask the Lord and say, God, I'm praying like David, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Ghost. Take not your spirit away from me, Lord. Renew the right spirit. You can do it, Lord Jesus. I believe it with all my heart. As I close here tonight, Lord, you can do it. I believe with all of my heart. There's a bomb in Gilead. There's a cure for sin. There's a cure for sin nature. I want it, Lord. I strive for it. I raise my hands and say, I want it, Lord Jesus. Give me the compassion that you have. For the, for the man that's dying, for the sin-sick world. Give me a true heart of love. I'm not a compromiser. I'm not wanting to compromise with sin, but give me true compassion. Give me true love. Give me a true nature of meekness, gentleness of spirit. Give it to me, Lord. I want it. I seek it. I desire it, Lord God. Give me a nature, Lord, that's one like a lamb not a boisterous, boisterous, arrogant, proud. But give me that meek, gentle, kind, loving, sweet, humble. 
all those words, Lord, I'm praying because it's my desire. I raise my hand and say, Lord, it's my desire to take upon the nature of Christ. I want to be identified with my sacrifice. He was a lamb that gave himself. He was a lamb who had all the right in the world to live, but he gave up his right. God, and I'm asking tonight, let me be identified with that true atonement of Christ where I can say the right things, think the right things, do the right things. I want my character to be molded like His, God. You didn't just send us a word just to make us excited. I'm excited tonight, Lord. You didn't give us a word just to shout. I'm shouting, but that's not the only reason that it was sent. It was sent to give us the literal life of Jesus Christ. The very nature of the token comes upon the believer. And I raise my hands with every individual here and say, give it to me, Lord. I accept my token. I want to be identified with my sacrifice. I'm not going to be ashamed of it tonight, Lord. I'm going to be in honesty, in honesty and contriteness. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. Oh, can you do it, friends? Can you really do it? Can you stand before the Lord and say, God, I repent. I'm going to start right here. I repent of my attitude. I repent of my spirit. I repent of my arrogance. I repent of my pride. I don't want it, Lord. I'm letting it go right now. I'm asking, Lord, give me the nature of Christ. As your prophet said, even if I've been done wrong, give me a love that can look past, that can forgive and forget, Lord Jesus. Oh, in a world of hatred, how we need the love of God. I pray it come over this entire body of believers here in Buford, Lord. I pray it, Father, for my family. I pray it for my children. I pray it for myself. Lord, I pray it for one another. May we all pray that tonight. Say, God, give us a good dose of real Holy Ghost love. Give us a real dose of real Holy Ghost meekness and compassion, long-suffering and care, one for another. Oh, cast me not away. Come and gather from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Could you come praying? Could you come to this altar praying that? Restore. Oh, let's raise our hands to the Lord now. Oh, all together, all the joy of thy salvation. And here's my prayer, Lord. And renew a rise spirit. Could we just one time before we pray? Raise our hands to the Lord and sing that, Oh, cast me not away. Oh, like a prayer now, cast me not away from thy presence, oh, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me.
Sister Melissa says, please pray, please pray for peace and comfort for a coworker who has lost her mother-in-law today. Amen. We're going to pray for that, Sister Melissa. Brother Bruce Paris, would you please have prayer for my daughter, Charity's mother-in-law? Her name is Debbie Turner. She's 62, and one of her kidneys is basically non-functional, so the doctors are going to remove it on the 15th of November. God bless you all. That's from Brother Bruce for his daughter, uh, Charity's mother-in-law. Debbie Turner. Sister Lisa, my Aunt Lisa St. John is very sick tonight and needs a touch from the Lord. Several unspoken requests. And then we're going to pray for her tonight. Brother Chris, my brother, pray, please pray for Chris St. John suffering with insomnia for several months and repeated migraines. Needs a physical touch from the Lord for rest and healing. How about this church go after Brother Chris St. John? How many would do that? Do that with me in all honesty, even just here in prayer. Just say, Lord, you started a work in this, this man's life. We watched a miracle take place. And I'm not going to settle for the devil to come as a thief and robber and take him out from here. I'm going to believe. How many will believe with me? You'll restore, Brother Chris. Deliver him of this, but put him back in this church, Lord. It's his desire to come, I promise. I talked to him. It's just the devil to try to make him a prisoner once again. From Brother Mark Carter, says, I've tweaked my back and I'm in a fair bit of pain. Amen. We're going to pray for you, Brother Mark. Why don't you put your hand over on that person beside you and why don't we just lift up our voices? We have these needs here tonight. I'm just going to pray over them. You pray in your own way. Lord Jesus, we bind our faith together right now. As a church, Lord, we believe your prophet taught us the greatest weapon God ever gave to man was prayer. Lord God, and then in another place, he says the greatest weapon that the God ever gave the church was love. So Lord, it must mean that if we have love and we pray, it's a mighty weapon before God. Lord, and in prayer with love, we call on these names for Sister Melissa's request, this coworker uh, who lost her mother-in-law. Oh, God of comfort, would you come down and be a comfort to this individual right now? Brother Bruce, who prays for Charity's mother-in-law, Debbie Turner, her kidneys is non-functional. But oh, God, as Abraham was told, is anything too hard? As we bind our faith together as a church body, we call out this need for Debbie Turner, for my aunt who's at home, maybe streaming tonight, has special unspoken request and a suffering in her body. Satan, I adjure you. Here in South Carolina, I pray a prayer that can touch all the way to, to Washington right now and touch my aunt in her bed. By the blood that saved her is the same blood that brings healing. I pray, God, you'd bring a supernatural touch to her body right now, God, as we pray for these unspoken. I pray, God, you'd give an answer. Lord, even an answer that's supernatural to my sister, I pray right now. For my brother, Lord, calling out for Brother Chris St. John. Oh God, this church binds together in one solidarity. We bind together and say, Satan, you might have took him prisoner, but tonight we're standing in the gap for Chris St. John. Lord, this is a soul that you saved. I watched the power of God come upon his life as he repented of his sins, but now Satan has taken him captive. But we're not going to settle for that, Lord. We're going to believe for his soul that you'll save him, oh God. Restore him back for Brother Mark Carter tonight's suffering. I know what it's like to have back pain. I pray God right now. Lord, he wouldn't ask for prayer if he didn't believe that there was power in prayer. Lord, he's suffering tonight. God, we bind our faith together and say, touch our brother. Don't let him suffer from this even for one more moment, Lord God. May healing come to his body right now. 
Lord, I pray this prayer for me. Lord, as I prayed just honestly before you, I'd invite anybody to do it with me to say, oh God, Lord Jesus, change me. Those parts that I hate about myself, I lay them down right now, oh God. I identify with the words of a vindicated prophet. I don't want that in my life and I pray it right now. I don't want malice. I don't want hatred. I don't want envy. I don't want strife. I don't want dishonesty. I don't want, I don't want anything that's unlike the character of Jesus Christ. God, free us from it. And Lord, when you take it, may you replace it with divine love. Make us ministers of grace. Make our body of ministers, ministers of grace, oracles of healing, Lord. Bring us back to the true atonement, Lord God. Lord, there I believe it with all my heart that there's an anointing that we can access in our lives. We can live by it day by day. Let it be, Lord Jesus, I pray. Oh, cast me not away from thy presence. Oh, yes, Jesus. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. joy of thy salvation and renew and renew a right spirit within me we're going to have a testimony here if you have one amen we'll take time just for a couple then we'll let you go brother jd has a special one from sister amy he wants to give amen so this is a Testimony from Amy. This happened on Saturday um, at the youth camp. I'm just going to read what she says. During the day, I was feeling off, very weak, tired and shaky, and felt my heart racing. I went back to our room to rest, hoping that that would do the trick. It, it didn't change much, so I got ready to head down to the cameras, get the cameras ready for service. Sister Ruth chatted with me a little and decided to call Meredith, who wanted to check me out before service. She took my blood pressure a couple times, which was alarmingly high, uh, 220 over 120, well above stroke levels. Sister Meredith made the call to have me stay back from service and rest and rehydrate. My blood pressure and heart rate came down to 170 over 90, so I went ahead and went to bed. I was streaming the service and made it through all the preaching and about half of the prayer line when I noticed I was feeling badly again. I turned the service off to go to sleep. At some point after that, I don't know when, I startled awake to my face feeling tingly and my lips starting to feel numb. My first thought was, I wonder if this is what the start of a stroke feels like. I should probably call someone, but, but don't remember anything after that. I woke up later when people started coming back after service, and one of the first things Jason told me was that Sister Sarah had gone and stood for me in the prayer line. When I told the testimony to Sister Rachel... She, she said she'd been streaming the service as well, and towards the end, she suddenly had the thought that something horrible was going to happen to me in my sleep. She immediately rebuked Satan and prayed for me. As I began to realize fully what had happened and how, how God had intervened, I remembered an experience that I had two weeks prior to camp that gave me the fuller picture. 
I was home alone with Addie, and I was looking I was looking at her, thinking of a trip that we have planned for Christmas time. A thought was dropped into my mind that I wouldn't go on that trip because I would die before that. I didn't say anything but was shocked. Addie, completely unaware, out of the blue, started asking me questions about dying and suddenly started crying, saying, Mommy, I don't want you to die. I asked her where that came from. She said it just popped into her head. We immediately rebuked Satan out loud and went to prayer. Uh, she says, I've seen both a cardiologist and primary care doctor. The cardiologist said my heart looked good. He didn't see anything that he was worried about. And my doctor said that it's likely that I had a TIA, a mini stroke, lasting less than five minutes, but that there is nothing that they can do to test for it as there was no damage. So we thank the Lord for sparing Amy's life. We're so grateful for that. Amen. Spiritual warfare was taking place. Devil was mad about what was happening at camp, but we got the victory. Amen. Thank God Sister Amy's here tonight. They're doing the camera, but thank God for that. Amen. Anybody else got a testimony, something they want to share quickly? Yes, Brother John. I want to testify and thank for healing my eyes. Uh, I'm waiting on complete clearing up. I expect to see it any time. And I, and I also want to testify that you know, leading up to camp, you know, um, I've been having trouble that week with my eyes just not being clear and astigmatism, all that. And I was just, Lord, you know, I'm healed. I'm, I believe your word. I'm waiting just, you know, it's, it's, it's mine. I accepted it. Your word is true. And, and I was thinking on the, uh, that week leading up to camp, you know, I have to drive up in the dark, you know, and, um, it's harder to see in the dark. I woke up that morning for camp and we were driving up in the dark and I was like, wait, I can see really well. And the Lord touched my eyes for that driving in the dark. And I know he can do the rest. And I thank him for that. One more, anybody? In my life. We're going to let you go. Lord, let's sing this together. Be glorified. Be glorified. In, is that your prayer? My life. Oh, Lord, be glorified today. Could we sing it one time before we go? Take my life. Take my life, Lord, and be glorified. Yes, Lord. Be glorified. Take my life, Lord. Yes, Bless you, you can be dismissed. Oh, and in your, your church, right, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in your pride, Lord, be glorified. Today.
to 